And now for your listening pleasure, here's Polizzi and Rose, PNR with This Old Marketing. Take it away, boys. Well, hello, content marketers. I'm Robert Rose, and welcome to episode number 101 of PNR's This Old Marketing, recorded Monday, October 19th, 2015. Well, believe it or not, folks, this week and Tuesday the 10th, to be exact, is World Statistics Day. Who knew there was such a thing? But there is. And in fact, it's been celebrated since 2010. This year, though, the United Nations General Assembly, with a jointly sponsored resolution, made 20th October the official day. And now hundreds of countries participate every year with their own national celebrations, events, parties, and even, yes, a 5K run. As their website says, and I'm not even making this up, better stats, better lives. So, of course, marketers love statistics. We all love statistics. Statistics are the art of never having to admit you're wrong, of course. And so we're I'm going to celebrate the World Statistics Day here at PNR. We'll give you 83.7% good, smart content marketing news and views, and 6.3% rants, 3.0% raves, and 7% this old marketing examples from the past 100 years. We think you'll agree that Joe and I are at least three standard deviations above the norm. We're above average, but we're not mean, if you know what I mean. We're rational. We're keeping up the integers real here. And at least five out of six content marketers who use content marketing feel like we're statistically relevant. That last point just proves that 80% of all statistics quoted to prove a point are made up on the spot. And according to a recent survey, 33% of the people surveyed say they participate in surveys. All right, as the famous saying goes, let's get this half a foot out of the ice, keep the other foot in the fire, and go from perfectly comfortable to heating this joint up. And to get the probabilistic show of multiple possible outcomes on the road, it's time for me to introduce my friend, my colleague, my co-host, and the absolute statistical significance of content marketing, Mr. Joe Polizzi. How are you, my friend? I'm above average. How's that? <laughs> that's awesome. That Here we go. You? Yeah, that's fantastic. See, I played right into your little skit. Yeah, <laughs> my little I like, skit. Yeah, I like to be part of it. I Mickey. feel like so left out the whole time you're doing this thing. I'm, I'm sure I <laughs> my little skit. Snappy. <laughs> So a, a snappy <laughs> retort. I am here in Vegas, my friend, is where I am. You've been all over the world. I have. I have been. It's been, uh, it's been a whirlwind of an October so far. So, yes, I'm here in Las Vegas looking literally as I speak at the Bellagio Fountains, spewing up Aww. all sorts of pretty, pretty uh, water and overlooking the Eiffel Tower and a beautiful sunset here in, uh, in Las Vegas. So and, nice. One of my yeah. favorite cities. Yeah, it's not one of mine, but know, you know, I yeah, it yeah. It's... You know, I got an email um, a couple of days ago from a listener, and she said, "When are you and Robert going to go out and speak on tour?" And I, it's the Hope and think, Crosby tour, 2015. Well, and it made me think we obviously don't do a good job of telling <laughs> people that we're actually going on tour. Together, we are. We are, me. absolutely. So I just did – I know this is a little bit early for the sponsor message, but it's not really a sponsor message because it's, it's us. It's, it's us. You know, our listeners ask, are asking for this information. <laughs> uh, we are out on our Masterclass Tour 2015. Uh, we start in early November. That's and right. go through the first week or the fir- the first December? The first week of December. Yeah. Six cities. Uh, what are they? Uh, New York, Boston. That's right. Washington, D.C. Austin. Denver. Nope. Austin. No, no Denver. <laughs> Let me do this. No Denver? Let me do this. San Francisco, San Diego, Austin, Washington, D.C., Boston, and New York. No Denver? No Denver. What? what Sad. The, Sad the, oh, no yeah, Denver. that's right. Because the Broncos beat the Browns yesterday. And there you go. Canceled. That's exactly. You, you cannot Denver. go. To, yeah, you can't go to Denver now. Oh, good. So it's six cities. That's six cities. Yep, six oh, cities right. starting in November, and we'll be finishing up in Washington D.C. the first week of December. All you uh, people in Denver that I told you that I was going to be there, <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> I'm not be there now. Anyways, I will be. I will be in Denver. I will be in Denver the first uh, the first part of November. Actually, before we oh, start nice. this tour, speaking at a conference there for teachers, oh, for uh, school teachers. That's yeah, wonderful. Yeah. Anyway, so go to content marketing C O N F like the front half of conference, CONF. Right. And you can get all the information on our master classes. We'd love to see you there. We usually sell out. So uh, we, that would, that's going to be super Come fun. Come see us. 
Yeah, well, come you, see us. It's nice because you and I actually get to like spend some time with it because we never. It's talk. the best. It's the <laughs> we, best. We I, I know. <laughs> well, and and this isn't much of a conversation. It it's all one way. It's everything that you want to talk about. I'm like, oh, That's it's, exactly it's so right. Anyways, That's exactly we right. Have, we do. We week? have a plethora, a cornucopia, if you will, oh. a cornucopia of shenanigans that happened this week it is that time of year one before we get started though we did want to because we're always so focused on accuracy here at pnr we did want to provide an update to a story that we talked about not last week um, on our 100th anniversary show but a show before that which was about Twitter, and we had we talked at great length about Twitter uh, and our sort of guessing as to why they were deprecating tweet counts and all that kind of stuff. And a big hat tip here to Pawan Deshpande, who from uh, uh, from Kirata, who who actually uh, helped us out with this. And basically, Twitter came out and said, "No, no, no, no! Don't, you know, forget the conspiracy theories. This is all about we're upgrading technology, and really, what we're talking about here is with the new technology. Basically, we've always said to developers that this API access to uh, tweet counts and those kinds of things was." going to be limited and maybe go away but and we're just making good on that promise because quite frankly we're upgrading technology and it's and it's not there so uh so much ado about nothing i suppose as long as you believe what they're talking about yeah and do you (laughs) i think it was a fine statement that twitter made yes and it really doesn't matter anyways because they're going away if you want to use them in your tweet counts you can still use uh, have your own api you're going to have to pay money for it uh, to get access to those, and that's going to be part of their business model. And, and I, I, I honestly have no problem with this. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't either. I don't either. Whatever. And we're going to talk about this later about you know social media channels. But you know what? If you're running the business, you can do whatever you want to do. And it's worked pretty darn well for Facebook. Let's put it that yeah. way. Because they do whatever they yeah. want to do. And they're, the people that are on that platform just keep going along with it. And it's working for them. So. Well, and I think, I think honestly, I think, uh, you know, I, I think he's sharpening the knives. I mean, it also came, we're not covering this story at all, but he, you know, it came out this week that he was laying off a bunch of people. So, you know, I think he's sharpening the knife to get ready for acquisition. I think mm-hmm. I beat that horse by, into the ground enough. But By the way, but, I don't, you know, did I you think, read, yeah. so um, I follow uh, Josh Burnoff on Facebook, and Josh was talking, did a blog post on the Jack Dorsey letter about letting pe- people go. Yeah. Did you read that? Yeah. I've I've read a couple of posts on it, yeah. That removing the buzzwords yeah. and all that kind of he stuff, just, yeah. I, I I would really I really respected that letter. I mean, if you're just going to say here's what we did and here's why and just get right to the chase, I I appreciate that kind of communication. Yeah, yeah. No, it was good. It was good. I mean, it you know it sucks to get laid off, but yeah. he's you know he's he's making the changes they need to get profitable and get you know lean and mean and and get ready for acquisition by Google. <laughs> <laughs> Your prediction. <laughs> Is going I'm just gonna, do, you get, do you have a timetable on that now? I know. I said before 15. the end of the year. I'm going to stick before the end of the year. I think I'm, so. Yeah, I think I'm keeping to that. We'll see if I'm right or not. All right. Let's move on. Let's get to Start. our top story. Done. Can content save advertising? Hat tip here to Amanda Subler from, uh, from Content Marketing Institute for giving Joe and I the heads up on this. This comes to us courtesy of Ad Age. Um, and basically the article opens up by saying, here's a reversal pretty much nobody saw coming. I'm not sure that's necessarily true. But what used to be regarded as one of the most skippable forms of advertising, custom content, is now being held up by many in the industry as the thing that just might save advertising from all manner of ad avoidance behavior, including ad skipping, ad blocking, etc. Before custom content was called that, of course, it went by advertorial. What? Nobody liked advertising? I never heard of that. And the heyday of print media. And the article goes on to try and make a point, I'm I'm assuming, around how content may or may not save advertising. What say you, Joe Polizzi? I know this one got your hackles a little bit up because of the definite terminology being used here. You know, Robert, don't even know where to start with some of this stuff here's my issue and i have it on you know what i'm starting to think it's me maybe it's just me maybe (laughs) i have the problem really because here's another article all due respect to ad age but they come in and they basically lump all pieces of branded storytelling together in the same thing it doesn't matter if you're – and they even write it. It doesn't matter if you're American Express Open Forum. It doesn't matter if you're doing a project with New York Times T-Brand Studio for Netflix's Orange is the New Black. 
it, or ad, whether it's advertorial or native advertising or branded content, and they throw it all together like it's all the same thing. And that's a, there's a lot of different business models in there. It's almost like if you just said, oh, well, radio and billboard and display advertising on the web, that's all pretty much the yeah. same no, thing. Well, you know, no, that's really well, actually, what they're it's, saying. It's, it's, it's even one further. It's, it's kind of like saying, well, you know, pushing out press releases and buying you know, ads at the Super Bowl and actually having sales guys do cold calls, pretty much the same thing. You're just yeah. trying to communicate stuff. So that's the one – so that's the first thing that I – you know, of course, it's consistent with every other article that I that I read like this. So there's the one it's thing consistent it's, it's in hard, its consistency. <laughs> it's hard to just take anything seriously when the when you you don't have a uh, and even the the whole idea to start out with. Bar nobody saw this coming that custom content would have any credibility. I've been in this industry for 20 years, right? I mean, and there's been and it's been going on for 100 years, and there's been a lot of believers and a lot of educators that have thought this was a really good method to communicate with customers, right? But I digress. <laughs> here's the here's the the other part here is oh measurement so there's this whole thing and by the way uh, they use our research right. and they yep. say how difficult it is and challenging it is for marketers to measure content marketing by the way it's challenging for them to measure anything right. but let's just say and, and it's fine and they use those stats and you know, they kind of slant them a bit, which I'm, it's fine. I, I don't have a problem with the way they looked at it. But then they said, well, why don't they just measure it traditionally and look at really key traditional metrics like web oh traffic, my gosh. like shares, like engagement. And engagement can mean anything, so I don't even know what that means to this particular uh, context. But uh, I'm just like another, I'm like, okay, hey, we're getting into measurement. I'm feeling good. What are we talking about here? What are we, web traffic. Right. Again, right. seriously, I'm just like well, it's, I, I don't understand why you cannot you cannot tell a story if you're a brand, and first of all, that you can't actually do it yourself, that you actually have to have help to do it because they talk about oh well, you have to have really good partners to do this. Well, they're talking only about native, that's all they're really talking about. And boy, if you're really going to be a smart like you start out a statistical day, <laughs> well, the only stats we really need here are these really low level sharing stats and web traffic stats and all the activity stats. And I'm like, let's get a little deeper than that. So anyways, <laughs> <you like it? laughs> here's what I think. I think, I think this is okay. a false choice. Um, and, and what I mean by that is, is that I don't think it's one or the other. I mean, I, I think the, the biggest challenge I have with the idea of content saving advertising is that advertising basically it, it needs saving. Um, and you know, Ad blockers and ad skippers and, and all of that aside, I think we can all agree that advertising itself is in a fundamental transformation. But it's just exactly that. It's, it's a transformation into new opportunities to evolve into something else. It's not dying. Advertising is not dying out. It's just changing to try and drive a better result than we're getting before because of all of the noise, et cetera, et cetera. They're not mutually exclusive concepts, this idea of content marketing and advertising. We can tell amazingly powerful, great stories in advertising. Yes. I've just, you know, there are some there are some great things happening. We can elevate advertising better than the banner ad. We can take, you know, powerful, wonderful story. Dove's campaign for real beauty, the you know, uh, the old spice guy all of these wonderful Jean campaigns and advertising, John claude all of yeah. that can be amazing, wonderful storytelling through the eyes of the brand and, and through advertising. And then we can also do great content marketing that creates value, that builds an audience, that really delivers value through content that creates an experience that is separate from the product or blah, 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 blah. We can, I, we can do both things. And you know we can walk and chew gum at the same time. I don't think we need to look at this as a as a choice between one or the other. But that's what it seems like more and more of these uh, publications for marketers that are that have been talking about advertising forever. It seems like that's the storyline they're trying to tell. So well, it's always the storyline. You're either yeah. an ad guy or you're a content guy, and that's it. Well, the interesting thing to me is is that that's always you know you see it in every presentation, right? This was the this was the bailiwick of 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 digital forever, right? 
which was every conference you would go to, the person would open up with the presentation and they would talk about how powerful digital is and was going to be. And the measuring stick was the efficacy of TV, print, and radio advertising and how much better digital was going to be. And now what's happened is is that as digital has sort of flooded the gates and now digital is up you know, in the same spending category as print and radio and television, well, now it's just advertising across all multi-channels as the sort of measuring stick. And everything gets compared to the measuring stick of advertising. So in other words, if a digital ad is, you know, and wh- whose number you believe, 0.01% or 0.1% or 0.00001% of conversion rates, that becomes the measuring stick by which everything else is measured, which is, a, it, it, again, a false choice because what it basically says is, well, if I do crappy advertising and I get a bad conversion rate, then at least I can do something else that is better than that. And that's a, you know, tr- you know basically trying to do better than the garbage you've done before is just producing more garbage. And it's, I, I don't think it has to be – we can do better. We can, you know, we can do both things well and elevate both things from a branded content perspective, from a native advertising perspective, from a advertising, from a marketing, from a cold calling. From We can do all of these things better than we're doing, but they're all different strategies that we apply to an overall marketing and communications program. You know, talking with uh, some of the team members here at CMI, I think this is the one area where we're not doing a good job because obviously we've been talking about this for years and years and years, and it's not getting into the right areas. It's not – well, I, I mean, think slowly, it, well, slowly I, but surely, but I think to, to step it up, I, I, we, we need to be doing something differently to get in front of – maybe it doesn't matter. I mean, I don't even know if – I mean, we, obviously, we've been talking about we need to do more guest posting on other platforms. Yes, that's for that's sure. The, we need that's to the yeah. that's the yeah that's the that's the real key is is that we need to we have we have found the choir and now we need to go beyond the choir. We need to actually be out there. You know, I mean, you and I have talked about this before. We need to be out in in you know the New York branded content advertising Madison Avenue doesn't really know content marketing it's not their it's not really their world and and so they equate it to what madison avenue puts out which is of course branded content and you know it's 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 a very different it's a different thing and so in the absence of an alternative argument i can see why there's confusion yep that's your you you better start doing something about that man (laughs) (laughs) i'm on it i'm on it I'm on it. I mean, you've I'm only on been it. to like six countries in the last week. I mean, can you, can you, can you sneak a Swaziland in there a little bit? I don't yeah, know. I'm trying. I'm getting what, there. Well, enough of that. Next, yeah, yeah, next, next story here. So, uh, big hat tip, by the way, for this next story to Carl. Yeah, who who sent it to both Joe and I um, over social media. The headline here is: Is this the end of blogging? Um, this comes from friend and family to the show, uh, uh, Mitch Joel, uh, who his six uh, pixels of um, uh, six pixels of separation is a great, great, great blog. Very, very well thought out piece, I think, just very intelligently written. And but it's an interesting point for discussion because, as he says, it's time for bloggers to take a deep breath, look in the mirror, and admit that something, as he says in parenthesis, dramatic is going on. The other week, he celebrated his 12th year of blogging. He's posted anywhere from four to seven items a week over um, on his blog. It's just unbelievable yeah. content, consistency, and production over 12 years. And basically, he says he's still passionate about his blog, but he's finding it, you know, decreasing uh, levels of uh, success, I guess, is the way to put it. And he's trying to find out ways to experiment, and he's finding that maybe switching over his main content and distribution, he's calling it, over to things like Facebook, uh, et cetera, is the way to go. What say you, Joe Polizzi? Is is it the end of blogging, or are we talking about something different here? Did you read the the New York Times tome that they wrote recently on their business model did you read that i did yes i did so this is what i got and just correct me if i'm wrong as i went through that what they're saying is is that even though they feel that they need to be the uh most notorious most powerful most followed uh brand on social media from a media side which i think they they are actually i think they have more twitter followers or facebook fans than any other media property um one or the other. They, they said through this strategy 
that the most important for, thing for them is through all of these things is to drive subscribers. That's their right. business goal. Right. And to drive subscribers, they need a home for that. They, the New York Times.com, whatever that is, whatever that looks like, whether that ends up being an app, whether it ends up being a website like we think of it now, whatever, right. is a destination that they can control that they have say over and how it lays out and the content that's distributed there and how they communicate with their readers and their customers. So, and I, and I think that's really important. So let's, now let's go back to this issue that Mitch is talking about. I totally get where he's coming from. I totally, like, I had a conversation with somebody today specifically asking me why I'm not on Medium. Like, why are you not writing on Medium? You need to write on LinkedIn more. You need to, Facebook Notes is out. I mean, and, and actually Mitch talks about Facebook Notes and this, and actually I think this blog post Became a Facebook note on, a, right. on one of his yep. note platforms. It did. Follow me there. That said, uh, you know, it's trying basically he's trying to find his audience on whatever social media platforms there are. But you know, back to the New York Times thing and back to what we've been talking about forever is I don't know of a business model ultimately whether it's a publishing media or a content marketing model that hasn't been extremely successful without some platform that they own. Some owned, whether that's an event platform, whether that's a, uh, whether that's a, a print magazine platform, or whether that is a web-based platform, a blog or a website that they own and control. I don't know of one. So until I start seeing examples of ones that are really, and he mentioned one or two. Right that he felt that are, that are really working. But I don't know if that's an individual, if that's a marketer, if that's, a, if that's an author. But I don't see brands necessarily doing that. And, and that's, that's, where I'm, that's where I just can't go into believing that this is a way. Well, I think that's the, the – you just said the most important thing, I think, uh, which is – so the, the – and, and look, I want to be really upfront. I think this is – Thought-provoking stuff. It, it, it really thought-provoking I mean, stuff. I, we're talking about it because it's a good. It's a, he writes. A it's good a post really here. great argument. And so, but here's something that I'll just offer up um, as an alternative. Here, one of the things, and this may be the right answer for him as a blogger and for bloggers in general, and the wrong answer for brands and and marketers who are trying to make content marketing work for them. And what I mean by that is that. To me, if he's trying to, for him to go follow his audience, as he says, basically, we are all as readers slaves to the feed now. I don't disagree with that at all. Um, and that, and we've talked about on the show how the internet is sort of aggregating around, you know, the internet of the few and all of that. And for him to go follow his audience onto those platforms and write for those platforms as he continues to write for his own media to basically follow, to you know, to have basically his basically get in front of and be assured to some degree that he's going to get in front of and the attention of his audience. I totally get, but ultimately his success is predicated on how many readers he has total that read his stuff. In other words, the impression he makes upon the readers, he doesn't need them necessarily. And I know this isn't you know, completely true. He doesn't need them necessarily to actually convert into something that he can address ultimately. He needs more of his readers to read his stuff. So a brand and a marketing organization is fundamentally different in that it is trying to pull these people into an audience that it can monetize over time. The audience is the asset here that we're building. The content is a bridge to that asset. And so ultimately, I think it has to be an addressable audience, ultimately, independent of whether this is part of your strategy or whether it is holistically you know, your strategy. I think there's a subtle but important nuanced difference between how a marketing team for a global enterprise, business, whatever you want to look at it as, versus a blogger you know, and the way that a blogger is going to generate better results out of this. So I think, and I'm not convinced of this. As I'm saying this, I'm thinking about it, and I want to put more thinking on it. I think, and I'm just putting it out there, that the alternative to his argument is not necessarily that he's wrong. It's that he may be right for bloggers and not necessarily for marketers and content marketing. We talked about, it was probably episode like 40-something or 50-something. It was a while ago where we had this conversation, but we talked about the fact that 
you had a lot of marketing and social media expert people that started to do this. And they were getting speaking gigs and they were getting some consulting gigs here and there. But we were talking about the ones that ultimately, after you know months or years, uh, they, they had a broken business model. They, they couldn't, you know, they were having trouble finding work. And you and I were talking about specific people that we know that were having trouble finding work because of the fact that they never addressed the audience. They never... They never went after that audience and built right. that relationship That's right. over time. They just sort of spread themselves out over all different types of social media outlets and whatever stuck, stuck. But at the end of the day, when things, when, when a speaking gig didn't come in or a consulting gig didn't, didn't come in, they had no underlying business model to go after. So That's right. I, on your point, you could be right. And actually, Mitch could be right. Mitch could, it yeah. could just be that's can, the way both. it is. I don't know what it's going to look like in a year or two years. Right. That's right. But I haven't seen it ever happen this way. And publishing's been around for a long time, even though social media and the way we communicate has changed a little bit. But the publishing effectiveness of publishing outlets have not changed, and the business models have stayed actually pretty much the same over that time. I would argue that Mitch, to whatever the goal, I don't know what the end goal is for Mitch. I don't know if it's to drive the, his agency practice or to speak more or to, to do more books or whatever. I don't know. But I'm under the assumption that that business model would be better off if it had more of an audience uh, that, that you actually had a subscribed audience to. And then you were leveraging particular social media channels that you were going all in against and have different programs run in those channels. Right. For your awareness yeah. building and, and to be part of the conversation or whatever those goals are. Well, we just talked about it, right? I mean, so here, I mean, so here's the, here's, here's the thing, you know, so here's the world in which we're both correct or, or even semi-correct, which is if we're going to, if we're going to evangelize the practice of content marketing and set the world straight on this terminology, by its very definition, we need to take it out to where the audiences are. So we're going to have to take some part of our time and effort and strategy to evangelize this on other publications that include things like Facebook Notes and Medium and you know other blogs, you know Harvard Business Review and Ad Age and Fortune and you know all these places that are ultimately the you know um, rented audiences and or uh, you know rented land that we have to do to drive that level of success. But at the same time, we're trying to ultimately build an audience for the long term that sort of scales and we can monetize at, over time. And so uh, we, we could both be right and ultimately be focused on two different parts of the strategy at the same time and, 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 you know, and, and, and operate that way. No, and I, had a, I did an interview uh, was it yesterday. No, this is Monday. Friday. <laughs> <laughs> and I did an interview Friday. With somebody, it was a podcast specifically on native advertising, and they asked me, "When does native advertising work the best?" And I said, "Native advertising can work the best if you already have a platform where you are creating specifically targeted, consistent content to a specific audience, and then you leverage native advertising to steal somebody else's audience right. and drive them back to your platform." Exactly. That's the absolute best way to use native. Because so I said. What's, so he says, well, what do you do first? I said, first thing you do is you build your own platform. Right. Then you go out and steal the other audience. Exactly. So you, have you have something to, some to go to. to. Right. Exactly, exactly right. Exactly. So I think that that's the – Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, so let's get back to Mitch's thing. So we, we don't know if he's doing the right thing or not. No. I think it's gutsy of him to, to sort of say that and, and to try it and – you know, I do note that he said it, I mean, he's not going to stop. It's not he's not quitting his blog. Yeah, he's just he's going to primarily put all of his content out on these other things like Facebook notes, um, and and basically, which is going to mean you can consume all the content without ever going to his blog. But I, you know, you might argue, well, but that's okay because if people are really interested, they're going to go subscribe anyway. You know, so. He's just moving. He's just moving the content further forward out to the, you know, out to the the edge, as it were. 
fascinating now. times. It's, fascinating times. It is, it is fascinating. But without without having any access to the information, specifically on the reader, it's very I know. challenging. I know. It's very I know. I know. And, you know, and you're, uh, well, you know, get into the whole thing about what if Facebook, you know, t- decides to kill notes tomorrow and, and all of that. And like, well, that's, the, well, that's the other thing. And we've talked about that at nauseum where I, you know, again, somebody asked me the other day, how should, how should I treat social media in general? And I said, you should treat it that if you get up in the morning, it will be gone. It might be right. gone. That's how you should treat it. Because if you go all in with a social media platform, there is no reason why they can't change their business model tomorrow and to- totally take exactly your right. Access. A la Google <laughs> Plus, a la Facebook, a la now Twitter's changing everything. A la la la, a la 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 la. <laughs> that's all. That's all I got to say. That's all I got that. to say about that. <laughs> Next. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, let's move to our last article for the show, um, and we're going to talk here about PepsiCo, um, which uh, the, an executive here says the agency model is going to break. Dun dun dun! This I I had this. This was almost my rave this week. I, 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 this this article is fascinating to me. Comes to us courtesy of the Wall Street Journal, um, and it opens up by saying the advertising agency model is under threat as big marketers make serious cuts in the number of agencies they work with, fight for better prices, and invest in video outside of the traditional confines of television. That tension was on display Thursday at the Association of National Advertisers Masters of Marketing Conference in Orlando when Bradley Jakeman, president of PepsiCo's Global Beverage Group said, quote, the agency model is not going to bend, it's going to break. Agencies will continue to see more and more projects leaving them. They will get a smaller and smaller share of the pie. Then he says, go on, he says, it's absolutely baffling to him that the large advertising holding companies are not, quote, buying up all these incredible content producers. He cited Maker Studios as an example, which was acquired by Disney last year. Pepsi is made with Maker Studios on video content. This, I mean, this is like, this is like the, the president of Pepsi that has listened to our show and is, like, on display. I mean, didn't you think so? Uh, there's, there's two things. The first part, I think we could make a serious case that the same article – uh, we could find it five years ago, maybe seven, eight years ago, about the whole agency model. And it's been talked to for a long, long time. What's new about this one was the fact that why aren't they buying content shops? Now, yeah. it is happening. by the Or way. publications. Or publications. But I love that fact. And I love, I mean, we've, we obviously talked about the Maker Studios Disney thing on the show a couple times. I mean, that's. Sure, yeah. That is happening. Uh, but I don't think it gets the, it doesn't quite get the attention from the Wall Street Journals of the world or the ad ages of the world when it does happen. Uh, no, nor does, it, nor does it get the attention of the Omnicoms and publicists yeah. and the, the Havasas of the world either. It'd be, clearly, it's not getting their attention. You know, I mean, I've, I've told this story on the show before, and I'll tell it again. I had a conversation. This was late last year I had this conversation with an agency executive, very high-level agency executive at one of the Madison Avenue agencies. And I said, doesn't it bother you uh, that, you know, Companies like the Wall Street Journal and Condé Nast are going out and getting media dollars for their properties. Then they're also getting the creation dollars for the creation of these native ads and content and content microsites and owned media properties. They're actually producing this for you know a couple of million bucks, and then they're getting a couple of million dollars in media buys for the project. And it's you know all in. It's probably a three to five or six million dollar deal. Doesn't it bother you? And he quite literally said to me, "That's chicken feed." He said, I don't, he said, that's a small potatoes project. They don't, we don't even get out of bed for less than 10 or 15 or $20 million. And it just said to me so much about that sort of mentality of, of not understanding where the disruption is going to come in your business. And it, 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 it baffles me too. I'm with Jakeman. I, I, I'm baffled as well as why agencies have not figured this, you know, started to figure this out and start to acquire some of these companies. It's so, it's such a great point though. I mean, for how the, the cost structures around content creation and distribution are so much different than they are on advertising. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. So I – any learnings from this? I mean, great. The well, I think, you know, I, I, I think 
you know, I think basically what we've got to, you know, look, the, I think the, the, the key here is that, you know, I've, I've, a couple of people have asked me uh, for the next, you know, the, the blogs about, you know, predictions for 2016 are starting to, you know, come up and all that. And I think, uh, you know, may, basically mine has been that I think Madison Avenue is going to get this really quickly here. I think those, I think not because necessarily of this guy saying this thing, but I think ultimately that pendulum is going to start to swing and we're going to start to see agencies really getting behind this. I tell you what, I mean, even at age over the last, and I know they had their special content marketing issue or custom content issue, whatever it was, branded content. Right. I mean, there's eight articles that came up, bam, 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 like all at once in the last month. You're starting to see the ANA, uh, Association of National Advertisers, which yeah. we've worked with on a number of projects. They're starting to present more to their uh, CMO clientele that they target. I think you're starting to see more. I mean, you're, everyone, everyone at senior level, marketing and advertising conference you go to right now there's something on content on content yeah even Even at this thing aren't speaking there (laughs) that's right well it was funny because i was at this you know so here i am in las vegas and i'm at this auto dealership uh conference a very large conference and the presentation that preceded mine um as the keynote here i was the second keynote of the day the first keynote was a guy of industry expert and he was talking about how dealerships need to get into content and and deliver value through content and he cited cmi research and and had all of that and then the you know but they don't know who they, you know. They didn't know CMI. They they're not you know. These are you know owners and executives and dealerships and dealership groups. You know this is this is new stuff to them. They're just getting this for the first time. It is it is still amazing. You want to have the conversation with with small business owners, medium sized business owners. They they just don't wrap their hand their their arms around the concept. Yeah. So yeah, we got we got our work cut out for us. Absolutely, we do. Well, speaking of our work cut out for us, we have some wonderful work cut out for us with a wonderful sponsor that has agreed to continue sponsoring this show, and I'm just so happy for that. We always like it when they continue to sponsor us. Uh, and we don't decide as much as we butcher their shorts, uh, and uh, and we uh, we don't. I think the, every time I've done the Brandpoint Hub um, sponsorship message, you've made me laugh over something. I, I can't. I'm sure it's your fault. Whatever happened, <laughs> that's always it was my not fault. My fault. Brand, <laughs> our good partners at Brandpoint Hub have a new blog post out, which I like this one as well because, of course, it's got a number in it. Anything with a number in it, I'm reading it. That's just the way it is. That's what the internet says. It's all Ten about po- statistics. Those darn statistics. (laughs) Ten questions to ask before committing to a content marketing platform. If you've been uh, listening to this show, we've been talking about how you can really look at what is the difference between how you run your current process from a content marketing standpoint and what that process could be in the savings that you could have if you had your own content marketing platform. So these 10 things are like, you know, you should make sure you can try it before you buy it. You know, what, what's the te- kind of technical support? How does it capture all my ideas? How do you manage keywords in the campaigns? How do you store content? How do you do the built-in workflow and approvals and wow. all the stuff? That and it's a fabulous. really good, it's actually a really good list. So if you are looking at a content marketing platform, just go to this blog post. Here it is. It's bit.ly slash brandpoint hub then the number two. So it's bit.ly slash brandpoint hub two, or you can go into the show notes and the soul marketing and check it out and uh, go check out this post by our good friends at brandpoint hub. Good stuff. Uh, yeah. Really, really good stuff. Of course, I know they got a new product out there and it's a content marketing platform, believe it or not. But what I like about it is they're really, really uh, putting the educational content out there on a consistent basis about, you know, look, if it's a serious issue, you should all, every, every, company of some size should be looking at a content marketing platform to see if it's a tool that they need once they have their content marketing strategy done yeah i mean but then yes absolutely well they're creating value they're creating value for that customer and that's the most important thing right they're creating value and then you know if you discover that you need a content marketing platform there you go and by the way i'm looking at the picture of the blog post on the brandpoint hub site and it's it's a really cute picture of a young couple they look like they just got married although she's got a little tattoo on her back and they're in the middle of a sunflower field oh that's i think that's how both of us got married it is a sunflower field yes sans tattoos sans tattoos yeah God almighty. <laughs> What's next on the list? With less is our next thing. You just love this segment, folks. It is our rants and raves sections where Joe and I go off on a little 
little bit of a rant or a little bit of a rave on something that makes us feel like, oh, I don't know, 80% of the people who love Donald Trump or 60% of the people who are trying to get out of politics altogether. Um, and I don't know which one is the rave and which one is the rant there. I'll let you make up your own mind. And yeah. you, I, let's see, am I going first? Uh, no, you're no, going I'm first. Going you're first going first because you have this whole marketing. marketing. All right, good. Go ahead. So I've got a couple a couple articles I want to talk about. First of all, this is a hat tip to a couple people. Uh, this is a hat tip to Adam Frazier at Adam F. 2014 and at Douglas Foley at, let's see, at Douglas J. Foley. So thanks to both of you who sent this about Reddit. And you're a big Reddit user. I am. Correct? I'm a huge Reddit user. Yeah. Well, I'm a, so, I'm a Reddit so, lurker. I'm not a, I'm not a commenter. Okay. Yeah. So they introduced a new uh Content marketing platform that they're they're generating inside yeah. an idea called Upvoted, a redditorial publication. And uh, have you? Have you I have. Yeah. Yet? No, it's Is good it? stuff. Yeah, it's really good stuff. Yeah. So I just, I mean, really quickly because I've got another thing I want to talk about, but I thought it was interesting that they've decided to create their own original content. Uh, you know, and they, they were ve- they were very in this article that I'll put in the in the show notes, uh, you know, very forthcoming with how it's going to be. And it's not going to be treated much differently than the other articles from the platform. And they obviously that the, the Reddit, Redditorials or Redditors or do you call Redditors, them Redditors? Yeah, Redditors, yep. Redditors. They're very oh. passionate. Very <laughs> yeah. passionate well, people. that's one word for it. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. So you gotta, you gotta be careful now here's So I, so my, my rave is I like this move. I like that. They're, they're taking the, the current community that they have and they're trying to uh, sort of look at what type of content the community, the main community, would like to get and where Reddit has a particular take on. And they're going to be creating uh, content around this uh, upvoted publication. Uh, and they – and so here's – that's the rave. The rant Uh-oh. is that, again, the, the business model for it is sponsored right. content. Which is which is well, which, by the way, what? it's a Condé Nast publication, and it's a that's a native ad, you know, sort of model that they have going for them. So yeah, yeah, it's fine. It's not a rant. It's just fine. It's just why is that the only thing? Like why isn't there events, products, donations? There's eight other ways that you could monetize this platform. Why does it have to be sponsored content? I, you don't you don't have to answer that. <laughs> well, here's what I th- here's what here's where I'll give them hopefully the benefit of the doubt. This is new, and so they could roll because look with redditors especially rolling into a huge monetized thing. They could have been making a very concerted decision about this. They could have said, you know what, we're we know on Reddit that sponsored content is okay. You know, we've gotten past that hurdle with this audience, so we're going to just start there, and we can add in other elements over time. That's I'm I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt initially here because of its so its newness. All right, that's fine. But I'll, <laughs> we'll we'll see. No, but, we'll see but, if I'm. But I like yeah. I like the idea. Uh, yeah, and then I. So I, we I, you might not allow me to do this. We we skipped over one of the articles we were going to cover, and I was gonna. Can I can I take another rant here? Can I switch things yeah, around? Yeah, please. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe you were gonna take it, but you skipped over this article uh, from Ad Age, and, and I I really need to call this out because it's important. <laughs> okay, all uh, right. It's my called friend. Con- you- it's called content budgets rise as measurement advances, and the sub uh, note is. Nearly half of marketers are spending 20% more on the discipline. This is by Kate Maddox. By the way, Kate Maddox. Kate's a great writer. She's fantastic. She, I'm, I'm, I've known her back to when she was uh, doing the content for B2B Magazine. She's yep. simply fantastic. So she's covering this Forrester report. The Forrester report says that one quarter of marketers hiked their content marketing budgets by 30% or more this year over last and 40, 47% of marketers boosted their content marketing budgets by 20% or more. And so so basically, half, they're saying that half of marketers right now, I'm assuming in the United States, although it doesn't say that, but let's just say assuming in the United States, half of marketers have content marketing budgets at least 20% or more. Seeing this, <laughs> I'm a tad bit skeptical. Yeah. 
So excited, I, excited. Excited. I'm like, are you kidding me? This right. is big news. This is something. Like, That's right. We just did our research, you know, Content Marketing Institute, marketing product. And this review. flies in the face of that research. It just doesn't, it just doesn't make sense. <laughs> it so I'm like, doesn't compute. Well, I'm, I'm it's like, not statistically. Who, who did they talk to? Who could – who are these people? And where are they? So it says, and I'm looking, I'm like, it must have been, you know, this has got to be a great research study. I want to find the details. So, of course, like a good investigative journalist, which I'm not, <laughs> I, I go and look and find out how many people. It's The report was based on an online survey, survey of 86 count senior them. marketers. C- count them. Know them by name. 86 senior marketers at business-to-consumer and yeah. business-to-business companies. An online survey of 86 so here's my question to you, and I don't know how it was done to the nth degree. You know, I don't know if they did it in a statistically significant way. Yeah. But, but even with just 86 as your sample, there's a lot of room for error in that. Uh, yeah, yeah, think, yeah, think a little. Yeah, I mean, I, you know. So yeah. anyways, let me just – I'm not going to say anything more about it. All I'm going to say is, is that our research uh, from – 2016 budgets uh, research that we have. Go to contentmarketinginstitute.com and click on the research tab. Um, it's much, much lower than that, uh, actually, is the number. And uh, it's, oh, let's see if I got the correct number. Thir- I think 30, oh, here it is. I got it right here. 30%. Right, three right. 3 of 10 are, are spending. Oh, it's not 5 of 10. <laughs> right. It's 3 of 10. And here's the thing. Most of that comes from very small, smaller businesses. Yeah. So if you look at significantly sized com- – so let's say 10,000 or more employees, very, very, very few, and I mean really low numbers, are spending 20% of their budget on content marketing. And even those that say they are, I don't believe them. Absolutely no, right. Well, they're spending they're money spending on damage. content, they not, but what they, they, it's not – yeah. Yeah, like product sure. content. Yeah, product or case studies, and and, and you know they're spending money on you know thought leadership papers that are you know. But even if it is, but even if it is thought leadership papers and case studies, there's no. No, way it's not twenty percent of their. No budget. way, because yeah. of the amount of advertising exactly. and traditional media that they're spending is dwarfing that. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with that. That's just where we are right now. We're in early stages. We haven't made the shift. That's over right. At all, from the most part. I mean, we're still in the early innings of this thing. So. I, you know, I'm sorry. I, I no, it's fantastic. I like that you brought it back. I, I, I'm, I'm pleased to. Uh, you skipped over that one, and I said, <laughs> you know what? I'm going to bring. I'm going to back that yeah. truck beep, up beep, right in beep, here. Beep. <laughs> All right, back it up. Do you have a rant or a rave? Or I got a rave about? and a rant. Um, I'm going to be very mm-hmm. short with both, um, since you went sort of uh, for the double inning sorry. play here. Um, my sorry. rave. I just have to throw this out because so I'm going to, you know, fully admit at the beginning of this that I am a Superman fanboy. Everything having to do with Superman. I'm a comic book geek and I'm a DC guy, so sorry Marvel fans. I'm a DC guy, so Batman, Superman, the whole crew. Um and so I'm a Superman Superman's my guy. And this and, and a huge hat tip by the way to J.K. Joe Kalinowski, our creative director, for sending this over and knowing that I'm a Superman fan and 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 sending this over. It is a native ad, and here's what is so great about it. So it's a native ad that appeared on Fortune.com, and if you go to and we'll put the link in the show notes and everything like that. But it's Fortune.com, and it's basically a profile. Uh, and interviews, you know, sort of like the like if you would see a profile of a new startup company um, where they profile the CEO and a day in the life of the CEO and how he got his start and all that. It's a profile and sort of interview with Lex Luthor and Luther Industries. And it's not tongue-in-cheek. It's done very straightforward. They don't wink at the camera. They're not winking at the reader and letting you know that it is, that it, is it is done as if Luther is, is the, the – it's a real company. And the, the nice thing is there's no links in the article itself to anything that's like an ad or anything like that. They, they talk about Lex Luthor and how he grew up, and here's this startup innovative company that's doing some really interesting things in various industries. And then the banner ad, if you see the banner ad in the right rail, the banner ad is for Luther Industries. 
And if you click on it, you actually go over to this what looks like a very startup oriented website. It's like the you know infinite scroll thing, and it goes through the background of the company. And there's a little video you can watch about how they're innovating in in this new thing called the 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 this new operating system, computer operating system that they're going to introduce to the world. It's like a startup, you know, sort of introducing a new product to the world. It's just a wonderful experience. It's just really really well done. The only thing I missed is, and then by the way, there's a Twitter account that's associated with it. So Lex Luthor has a Twitter account with this and it's, and it's just really, really polished and well done. And I just really liked it. My only two critiques were one, you couldn't subscribe to sort of the countdown. There was nothing to subscribe to, which I missed and I totally would have. And then two, they didn't, I tweeted, actually, I tweeted at Lex Luthor and said, hey, this is such an awesome, uh, congratulations on your startup launch. You know, I stayed in character and I actually congratulated and they didn't tweet me back. And so I was a bit bummed about that. But other than that, it's just, it's just a wonderful example of, of what native ad can be. You know, before you go on to your next thing, it was so, cl- you're right, so close. Yeah. They were so close to doing this thing perfectly, except for the subscription option. Which they which could have oh just it could have been so great a week a weekly email or something it was just well but the second thing is on the Twitter account and I I don't know if what you're seeing but I don't see a tweet since October eighth yeah no it hasn't been yeah it hasn't been much they basically just said let's get a Twitter account we'll throw out some yeah it's that yeah so those two things it's a it's a you know ah, it's it's so close it's like ah so close Um, my rant and I'm going to be really brief here um, my rant. Uh, and by the way, hat tip here to Jeff Cram for sending this over. So Aberdeen, uh, the Aberdeen Group, which is an analyst firm, research firm, and I know they're a friend and family of the show, so um, I'm not going to go too hard here. But they put out a new report, and they revealed marketers who utilize data and analytics. Um, and this is this is the, the report. Well, okay, I don't know <laughs> the report itself. It's like I just wanted it to be better. I really, I, I really did. I wanted it to be better. And, and the challenge I had with it was the main finding, the conclusion, the headline basically says marketers who use data and analytics in content marketing see more revenue. And, and that's ostensibly saying marketers who measure measure more. I mean, you know, I mean, you talk. It's just. It's like, come on. <laughs> I want this to be good. And then in the paper. There's a maturity model that they that they've after their research into what's going on in content marketing, they put out this maturity model. And the maturity model is presented as sort of an idealized maturity model. This is what you should be looking at. And basically it's just, you know, it says it starts at stage one and it says stage one is getting started, and stage two is ramping up volume of content, and stage three is optimizing channels, and stage four is adapting to buyers, and stage four like it's like you can't adapt to buyers before stage uh, anyway. I don't want to go off on too much of a rant here because I appreciate the effort. I really, really do, and I appreciate them. But this goes to what we were talking about earlier. It's just I want this to be around the real process that we're prescribing and seeing work rather than what's actually happening. Because in most, you know, to your point about measurement and where we are right now, most businesses are not failing because they can't create great content. They're failing because the change management and the process and the maturity model isn't there in most businesses yet because of the new new things that need to be put into place for content marketing. And so when an analyst firm like Aberdeen and a research firm like Aberdeen puts out something, it's important, and it's important to get it right, and I, I just don't think they did. So well, I'm, I'm sorry. No, Here's the thing, and you and I talked about this because this is, you know, we, we, no matter if it's a friend or family or foe, we cover it on this show and we'll give you the take. And I think that's important that we have to keep, I mean, we have to keep it real. That's our job to keep it real. <laughs> the other thing is, I, I just talked about the Forrester's thing. I, I love the, a lot of the folks at Forrester. Yeah. It's Brian's same, a great it's guy. I, Brian's We've very all, smart. And including us, and I'll throw us into this too, we have to step it up. Right. That, yeah, that's absolutely. Why, that that's why we got people out there that that make fun of what we do, and that this is just a little thing that's going right. to pass by. That's right, and it's not what we really know it is. Is is an amazing approach that can change how we communicate with our customers, and we can be more profitable because of it, and create better customers on, along the way. And if the research companies and the analyst companies don't get it, and they're not creating first rate content, we're all going to have problems. That's right. That's exactly right. 
All right. We'll, we'll hold us under that microscope. Exactly. Too. All right. What about our this old marketing All example? Right. For- here we go. What do we got here? <laughs> <laughs> this one is hat tip. Oh, our good friend, Harold Clemens. Adventure Marketing Solutions. Oh, sent this us is a over, great example. This was fantastic. Um, and I didn't realize. Did you realize this about Western? I did not. When you when I saw this come through the email, I was like, "This is this is this is wonderful. This is a great example. This is like presentation worthy." So this is the whole idea here. Is so we're talking about the Westinghouse Company, one of the early innovative companies, and one of their products was a radio. And they got, of course, you remember the Westinghouse radios. Basically, the whole idea here is the first radio stations were created to broadcast music and news. With the purpose of selling the radio receiver and not advertising. So l- listen to this here. So I'm going to read. Uh, I will put these in the show notes, but there's some two different sites. This one's from, uh, it looks like a student here at Penn State that did some fantastic research. Uh, of course, I have a warm Penn spot State. hard for Penn State. <laughs> Just got crushed by Ohio State this week. Yeah, oh boy. Uh, Radio broadcasting in the United States started with the Westinghouse Company. The company asked Frank Conrad, one of their engineers, to start regularly broadcasting music while they would sell radios to pay for the service. Westinghouse applied for a commercial radio license in 1920 and started their station KDKA, the first officially government-licensed radio station. So that's the one. Then they did a whole bunch of programming, and it was really interesting. And I'm going to go to this other one, and this is from... EH.net and their encyclopedia on the history of radio. So basically, again, 1919-1920, Frank Conrad, Westinghouse engineer, began broadcasting music in Pittsburgh. These broadcasts stimulated the sales of crystal sets. A crystal set, which could be made at home, was composed of a tuning coil, a crystal detector, and a pair of earphones. The use of of a crystal eliminated the need for a battery or other electronic source. The popularity of Conrad's broadcast then led to Westinghouse establishing a formal radio station, KDKA, on November 2nd, um, 1920. And then just fast forward to the end here. They really started this entire industry. I never realized that. So by 1921, there were five stations in the entire United States, five. In 1922, grown six times to 30. In 1923, 556. Yeah, it's amazing. Unbelievable. Yeah, it's amazing. So it's just amazing that, you know, it hasn't always been about advertising, that actually the programming was meant to sell the product. You know what what this reminded me of is is that the great corollary here is the amazing job that HubSpot has done. And the, you know, I often ask, you know, the, the funny thing about HubSpot is pre-2007, the word inbound marketing didn't even really exist. I mean, it didn't exist at all. And so here is a company that start, you know, you know, talk about a content ink story, right? Here's a company that started and said, yeah, we could go out and compete in a very well-established marketing automation vertical. We could go out and compete in that. Or we can actually create demand in a new vertical that doesn't even exist called inbound marketing. And by nature of that, we'll be the inherent thought leaders in it. So we'll go create a market called inbound marketing and create demand by creating all this content and ultimately be the recognized thought leader in a, in a category we created. It's, this is, it's such a cool thing, starting with the customer experience in mind and being able to then create the demand for the thing that you do, which is build the product to meet that demand. It's, it's, it's just a... It's it's that's content marketing. It's such a cool example. Well, and super thanks to all of our contributors. I mean, we had a lot of while we were gone here on a little. Oh yeah, right. Uh, after the hundredth episode, yeah, we had exactly. some time, and we had some great submissions. Oh, we got yeah, super we're backed up. Yeah, that. we're backed up. We got some good stuff now coming up for the next few episodes. Speaking of and which, where where are you next? Where where are you going? Where are you headed? I'm at uh, yeah, I'm at Marketing Profs B two B later in the week. I didn't so get I didn't it. get my invitation to that again this year. Yeah, all right, good good for you. <laughs> <laughs> I so knew that was coming. I didn't even want to say where I was going. I would I would take the the Vegas uh, trip. Yeah, I would have taken yeah. that from you. Yeah, so I'm doing that, and then for the next. Seven weeks. I'm on the road. Same here. So I yeah. think you are. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you for most, most of, of it. those locations. Yeah. 
I think I've got, yeah, I think we both have set up calls before the, the content marketing master classes. Yeah. A couple of keynotes, and then we're going to be going all over there. The place, we are. So. Yeah. Yeah. And then you're headed back. So you're, in I'm home. Yeah. I'm headed home, home tonight. Home. In fact, after we wrap this show, I'm going to be headed home. And then uh, I'm home for a couple of days uh, and then off to the lovely Minneapolis, uh, St. Paul area to go work with the folks at Thomson Reuters um, to do a workshop there. And then, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm home for a few more days and then on the road with you, my friend. The Hope and Crosby show will continue. Oh, it's going to be so much fun. So Yeah, we're going to have a good time. It's going to be a good November for sure. Come out and see us. Yeah, come, come out and, and see us. And, and that's it, folks, for episode 101. For Joe Polizzi, this is Robert Rose signing off. And, you know, tweet us up. We got – thank you so much for all the great uh, show ideas. We so, so appreciate it. Hashtag this old marketing. Um, and, you know, you can also send an email to thisoldmarketing at contentinstitute.com. And if you like this episode, number 101, we hope you'll consider subscribing on iTunes or Stitcher.com. All the links we talked about today will be available in the show notes that we'll produce later tonight. And then, of course, they'll be on the show post, which hits uh, your stores uh, on Saturday afternoon. All right, folks. Remember, it's your story to tell. Tell it well. We'll see you next week on This Old Marketing. Part of the CMI Podcast Network. Check out all of our shows at contentmarketinginstitute.com.